Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, today we start a new series, and to say that I am excited would be the understatement of the century. In some ways, we've been planning for this uh, since Movement Church began eight years ago, since we were 20 people in a small classroom. This has been something that was coming up, something that was inevitable and on the horizon, and our staff and our elders and our leadership teams have been planning for this behind the scenes for months. There's an excitement in the air as we begin what we are calling Movement is Coming. And I believe many uh, people who are involved in our movement groups, our house churches, probably got a brochure in the mail this week. You probably know many of the things we're going to talk about. But before we get to all those exciting things, before we tell everyone what's going to be happening, before we talk about the future, we want to do something that we always do. And we want to build that on a foundation of scripture. We want to go to God's word and go and talk this through the lens of the gospel. And so I want to invite you to turn to to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, start in verse 1, we're going to go through around verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, if you've got a Bible there, go ahead and turn to that. This is how we want to set the foundation, set the tone for our day. So let me read this, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, as we launch, movement is coming. It says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Well, this passage is kind of a, a sobering start. I think we could say that as it starts out, it's, it's not necessarily uplifting. It highlights the gospel, though, eventually, and it gets to the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel for the world. And so as verse 1 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, this verse is talking about us. It's talking about humans. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. And it's saying we were dead in our disobedience and sin. We all choose our own way. We walk away from God's way. We think that we know better. And the price of disobedience, the price of sin is separation from God who is life. And so when you are separated from God who is life, that means 
you are in death. You might say, well, that's quite an accusation. I just turned on this video and I didn't do anything. I don't think I've done anything wrong. And now you're saying I'm separated from God, I'm dead. Verse two says you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way. Many of, our, of, of us are still living that way. The devil is at work and convinces us to follow our way instead of God's way. And when we run after our own plan and our own desire against God's plan, it puts us in opposition or against God's will. So if you're tracking with this story, you and I, humans, mankind, we're not, we're not doing well. We're not the heroes of this story. We're lost, we're selfish, we're walking toward death and separation from God. But I want you to notice what it says right here. It says, but God, verse four, but God is so rich in mercy. Mercy is something that we don't deserve. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse four says, but God, which means that we're not getting what we deserve. We're not getting what we've earned or what we've set up or what we've been walking toward. We're getting something else. The story, the direction, the narrative is changing. But God, because God cancels and changes everything that was previously said in those verses. Well, how can he do that? How can he cancel that? How can he change the direction? It tells us that God is rich in mercy and love. Our God who created us in his image, who wants to know us, even though we sin against him, he is rich in mercy and love. And not just that, but because of that, he gives us life. How does he do that? He raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Jesus came to this earth to, to die on the cross, to pay the price for the sins that you and I bear. And through his death and burial and resurrection on the cross, he paid the price for, for our punishment. He took the punishment for our sin and he restored our relationship so that we could know God and be found in him through a relationship in Jesus. Jesus came and gave his life to pay the price for our sins and restore our relationship with God. Verse six says it best when it says this, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So when we place our faith and our hope and our trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we can, we can have faith and peace that we can know God and have a relationship with him and be with him for eternity. Not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Verse seven goes on to say, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. We People who have made a decision to trust Jesus, to surrender their lives to Jesus, to identify with Jesus and let him pay the price for our sins. People who have said, I want Jesus to be a part of my life. I want Jesus to, to control my life. I want to surrender my life to him. We are the legacy of God. We are the legacy of what Jesus did on the cross. And we are forever the proof. We are forever the reminder of God's wealth and generosity and kindness because he saved us. Verse eight says that, and it's a famous verse. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. If there was something I could do to get myself to heaven, I would do it. And then I would tell the world about it. 
If there was something that I could do, that would mean that I was good enough. But we know that we are not as humans. We're selfish, we're sinful, we're far from God, we're separated from God. But God, who is rich in love and mercy and grace, he changed everything and sent his son Jesus to pay the price and that changes eternity. This offer, this relationship is available for those who believe and not just believe saying, oh yeah, I understand that. Those who would say, I trust that. I'm surrendering my life to that. I will live my life to honor Jesus who gave his life for me. How do I know that? Verse 10 tells us, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are told that when we understand that we're not enough, but we, we know that Jesus is. When we place our trust in him, when we surrender to him, we are made into new creations and we are able to do the things that God knew and, and planned long ago that we would do with our lives. When you understand what God did through the sacrifice of Jesus, you can't help but be grateful and live a life to honor him and to say, thank you, Jesus. What a privilege to live our lives as a worshipful response to honor Jesus. God shared his wealth of grace, his wealth of kindness, his wealth of mercy, and his son with us. How can we do anything but respond with our all? How can we do anything but respond with our lives? Maybe you're listening to this for the first time today and you're saying, I've never realized that. I've never heard it work. I've never heard it said like that, or it's just never clicked and connected with me. And maybe for the first time, you're understanding that being a follower of Jesus is not just someone who understands the Bible or reads the Bible. It's someone who understands their depravity. It's someone who understands their need for Jesus, but it's someone that's so grateful for the sacrifice he made that they say, Jesus, I want to give you my all. I want to give you my future. I want to give you my life. And when you know who Jesus is, when you know what he's done, you can't help but wonder, how can I do anything but give him my all? See, our logical, worshipful response is to give Jesus our everything. There's a verse that I love in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, it says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When we understand the person of Jesus, when we understand the sacrifice of Jesus, we can't help but say, Lord, you have my everything, you have my all, you have my life, I'm yours and I wanna follow you, I wanna be made new, I wanna live my life for you. So let me switch gears and, and I want to talk about a topic that applies to this, but I don't want to switch gears too quick because I don't want anything to sound crazy. But I want to say this. When we say that we want to give our everything to Jesus, our desire, our family, our future, our career, our plan, our platform, our everything, that includes everything. But here's a, here's a big one that, that we're not often ready to surrender to God or that we struggle to surrender to God. Our everything includes our finances. 
Jesus talked about money more than any other topic. And we could look at those verses, and we will here in coming weeks, because this is a series that will help us process this concept of generosity. But today, I wanted us to think of it a little bit differently. I want us to think about our money and our finances on the foundation of the gospel, on the foundation of the fact that Jesus gave his life for us and God has been rich to share his mercy and his love with us. He has shared his wealth with us. And so here's our big idea for the day. Generosity is the logical response to God who has been so generous to us. When someone has been generous to you, it should be a logical response to be generous back to them. So let me say it again. Generosity is the logical response to God who has been so generous to us. See, many of us would say that we believe in God. Many of us would say that we trust in God. Many of us would would say that we are following God, and yet there are parts of our lives or our heart or our platform and who we are that we have not surrendered. And I want to say this this morning. If you can trust God with your life and your eternity, you can certainly trust him with your money. If you can trust God with your life and your eternity, you can certainly trust God with your money. We have some DNA statements that we have tried to keep true and center Movement Church on from the beginning. And there's a statement that we've always said, we want want to lead the way in giving generosity and honor. We said that we believe our heart and our finances are tied together. And so if Jesus is rooted in our hearts, then that affects everything. And we've been told that our hearts can be focused using the tool of money. And so we want to be intentional about giving our money away, which in turn gives our hearts away for impact. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Some translations may even say, give your wealth to God. And the reality is this, our wealth represents who we are. Our wealth represents what we have. Our wealth represents our platform. And we've always sought to give our wealth away as a church and as individuals who are focused and living a worshipful response, who are living as living sacrifices because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he gave his life for us. And so, like I said, I wanna switch gears a little bit today. We've said that we're starting Movement Is Coming, and this is a a series for us, but this is also a capital campaign for us. And so I wanna talk about an opportunity that's in front of us to advance our vision as a church and to leave a sacrificial legacy of the gospel and impact lives here in Hilliard. And to do that, the reason that I've mentioned generosity is we need to have a heart of generosity. We're going to have to know why we are being generous and not just why we are being generous, but the reason that we are moved to generosity. It's not going to be because of anything I say in these weeks. And it's not going to be because of anything someone else says. We should be moved to generosity because our God shared his wealth with us. He shared his mercy, his grace, his love, his kindness, and his son. And we can return our generosity. So movement is coming is all about this. If you've hung around movement for a week or a a year or a while, you've probably heard us talk about our vision. We always say that we want to be a movement of people finding our way back to God. We want to make our decisions 
based off of that vision. And so when it comes to budgets and programs and opportunities and staff, vision is always what pushes us. And since we started eight years ago, we've seen the gospel multiply consistently in new believers and new movement groups and new ministry opportunities and new leaders and new churches that we've planted. And those things have been wonderful. They've been exciting. And as we've grown We knew that we needed a plan. We never want to bottleneck what God is doing. We want to stay in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing at Movement Church. And so as we went from one service to two services, as we've planted churches, as we've added staff members, it's all it's all been done from a plan of what we felt like God was calling us to be. And four years ago, we looked ahead. We looked down the road. We looked at where God was taking us and some numerical trends. And we said, there's going to be a point that Movement Church as we know it is going to start to hiccup. It's going to start to hit some roadblocks. And so we we made a plan and said 2021 is going to be a make-or-break year. This was before COVID. This was before many of us were even at Movement, but we tracked our Sunday attendance and we said there's going to be a time that we don't fit at the YMCA anymore. We're not going to have enough kids' space. We're not going to have enough adult space. We've loved being at the Y. We've loved our partnership with them, but we knew that we were going to outgrow the Y. And, and so we started in 2012, and by 2015, we were self-supporting, and we had planted churches and other things. But four years ago, we started saying, we need to set money aside. Something else is going to need to happen. Something else is going to be in our future. And we had even started meeting with a, a finance organization in our family of churches and saying, what would it look like to take a loan? What would it look like to build a building? What would it look like to acquire some property? Because we knew that the YMCA could only minister to 500 people over two services, and our trends were headed above that. And we didn't want to wait till we had 498 people and then say, hey, we need a plan. Does anybody have a plan? We wanted to make a plan ahead of time. And obviously now we've entered into this pandemic, this season of COVID, and COVID has shown even more the need and this gap that, that if we had a building, we could minister different. And so we believe that we're at a critical time to leverage our impact for generations to come, for Movement Church and for the community of Hilliard. I believe now is the time to make this next chapter happen, and I believe this opportunity will change eternity and will change lives and leave a legacy to impact the generations that will come in contact with what we can do. See, as we see Hilliard and the surrounding communities growing in step with our church, we want to respond, and we want to invest in four key areas through this capital campaign and through a building. These are the four key areas. Expanding our worship services, discipling kids and students, reaching into the community, and planting life-giving churches. Now, why do I say those four things? Well, research has shown that a portable church, like we have been traditionally when we've met at the YMCA, a portable church that does set up and tear down every week and meets in a space that they don't own, those churches can't reach 70 to 80% of their community. We've built a wonderful church. God has established some incredible DNA. We've done great ministry, but there's a truth that only 20 to 30% of our church will ever know that we even exist. And we know that 20 to 30% of our church is not even currently coming to movement, but they probably don't even know that we exist in 70 to 80% of the homes of our community. And I'm going to be honest, 
I want to reach that 70 to 80%. We should want to reach that 70 to 80%. Our leadership, our elders, we want to go after that 70 to 80% of our community. We want to reach that unchurched demographic. <clears throat> and so the next step for Movement Church to see our vision continue and to happen is building our first permanent facility. I already told you the location. We bought some land uh, a couple of years ago. We acquired some land that's out across the road from Bradley High School and Memorial Middle School. It's on the corner of Walker and Morris Roads. And we want to see a building established on that location. We want to build a $3 million, 16,000 square, 16, square foot building there. You might have got a brochure in the mail. If not, you can go to movementiscoming.com right now and or through our website and download that. We've got things like blueprints on there and plans. But we want to be able to expand our worship services. We think it's key that we can have multiple worship services and adjust to demand over holidays and times and different things. We want to disciple kids and students as we see what, what is a young church blossoming. We see the ministry of movement kids and movement students expanding. We want to reach into the community with ESL classes by being able to host our own Christmas store and through sports opportunities. And we want to be able to plant more churches. We believe this facility helps us address those needs and this opportunity and do all of those things. And just like we have with every dollar that has ever been given in Movement Church, we're going to give 5% of this capital campaign toward our church planning fund. That's going to help us accelerate our pace and hopefully plant churches in back-to-back -back years or bring in multiple residents in a couple years because we feel called to do that in our DNA. This will be the year that we build a building, but this will also be the year that we plant a church in another town again, and we're excited about that. But I'm sure someone's hearing this and like, okay, we're building a building. You know why we're doing it? How are we going to build this building, Mark? How are we going to do this? How are we going to pay for this, right? That's, that's the question you always ask. How are we going to pay for this? Well, we're doing a vision and capital campaign, and that's the vehicle that's going to fuel this. See, our, our goal is that we can, we can finance $1.8 million of a building. Because our annual budget is $600,000, we can finance three times our annual budget. We can finance $1.8 million. We've already secured plans, and we're working on construction drawings and soil samples and all the things you have to do, but there's another piece of the pie that we need, and that's what today and this month is about. Our goal is to fundraise cash and commitments that total and an equal $1.2 million over the next three years. So that doesn't mean that we need $1.2 million tomorrow. It means that over the next three years, this month, we're going to be praying and talking about if, if the people that make up Movement Church who believe in our vision are able to make commitments that will equal $1.2 million. We're praying and planning to raise $1.2 million. We're asking Movement Church to prayerfully consider if God is having you get involved and give above and beyond your normal giving so that we can maintain our normal ministry. But if God's asking you to give above and beyond toward this project, we often talk about owning our faith and owning our church. And this is really a great example of that. This is the next level to that. As we have grown and been established as a church, it's, it's kind of that moment where you say, all right, it's time to, it's time to grow up. This is getting real. How much are we committed to this vision? How much are we committed to the gospel? And how much are we committed to seeing Hilliard impacted? I want you to think about this and talk about this and pray about this. And I don't say that just to sell it and sound meaningful. 
I want you to actually think about this because I was told that as soon as most people hear you're building a building, they're gonna say, oh yeah, we'll probably give a little something to that. And most people think, am I gonna do that? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna give this. But I want you to truly pray about this. I want you to stop and think about this. I want you to look over those materials and think about your experiences. Think about what Movement Church has meant in your life and in the life of your family and ask yourself, God, what do you want me to do? The reality is God can do big things over three years. There are, there are numbers that people could give and that might sound crazy if you had to go and write a check right now. But when you divide that by three and when you say that there can be monthly or quarterly payments, I think there are going to be people in our church who awaken to the fact that they can give and they can be generous in ways they didn't think they could because they're inspired by the potential of this project. And I want to be honest with you today. I know I'm, I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to be the, the, the leader here. I'm supposed to be the professional Christian. I've known about this more than anyone. I've been planning and dreaming and praying about this. And when I found out that this was in go mode, I thought I'm going to give to this because I believe in what God is doing. I've, I've experienced it. I've seen God move in, in people's lives and restore marriages. And of course, I want to give to this. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But when I started thinking and praying about this, I had a, I had a number in my mind. I thought, all right, that's, that's what I'm going to give. And as I began thinking through it and praying and saying, Lord, what do you want me to give? Not what does Mark want to give or what will make Mark feel good or what will be enough or what will make him look good? No, I, I began praying, Lord, what is the number that you want me to give? What do you want me to, to give to this? How can my generosity match your heart and your generosity for this? And can I just be honest? This is kind of embarrassing and kind of inspiring. I don't know, it's a little bit of both. God doubled my number. So on one hand, you could say, oh, God brought Mark to a place of generosity. Yeah, you could say that. You could also say that my original inkling was was 50% of generous. I was being half generous. Now, I'm not going to know what anyone gives, and I'm not involved in that stuff in that way, but I want you to know that I don't want that for us as a church. I know that there are many movement group leaders and apprentices and faithful people who make up our core who are going to give to this project and feel moved to give to this project, and I just want you to make sure that you're giving the amount that God is calling you to depend on Him. I just want to make sure that you're, you're looking to Him and being obedient because I've experienced that myself and it's a wonderful thing. God moves our generosity and helps us understand his generosity. I'd like you to to pray about this over the next coming weeks and over the next month. Our goal is that there's gonna be different ways people respond. There are gonna be college people that give 100 bucks. There are gonna be people, like I said, that give 10,000, 20,000, $100,000. My hope and my prayer is that we're all growing in step as a church and as a family because there will be different levels of response, but I hope that there's the same shared sacrifice, the same spirit of sacrifice that we get to do this. We get to build this and we will see the impact of what God is building in us and through us. So I wanna challenge each and every person and each and every family to make the largest gift that you've ever given to ministry. Not for me, but to see a church established, to see a permanent facility established that's going to have impact, that's going to reach families, that's going to proclaim the gospel and teach the word of God and do that in a proximity to a town that's booming and to families that you and I know and love and are a part of. I got a phone call from my friend a couple weeks ago and he said, dude, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. He's like, this guy goes to my church 
and he told me about this incredible opportunity. And I said, really, really? He said, yeah, there's this cryptocurrency. It's not the famous one. It's maybe not the other one. Maybe not even this third one you've heard of, but there's this cryptocurrency and it's blowing up right now and people are gonna make a ton of money and you and I can get in on the ground floor. And he, he said, it's selling for only 69 cents a share and it's easily going to get up to $1,500. Some analysts are even saying it could get up to $10,000. And he's not a financial planner. He wasn't asking for my money. He wasn't making money off me. He just said, you've got to get in on this opportunity. You can't miss out on this. And I don't mean to speak against cryptocurrency or business opportunities, but I think you can tell by the smile on my face. I heard my friend talking about this and I, I just knew instantly, this isn't, this isn't for me. It didn't seem like a logical response based on what I knew that I was called to do and how I wanted to spend my money. But I think there's a difference when we're talking about a logical response to God giving us his wealth and his generosity and his love and his mercy and his son. I think our logical response looks different when we understand the way that he has given his life for us. Generosity is the logical response to God who's been so generous to us. And so I pray today that we are thinking through the gospel. I pray that we are thinking through this concept of generosity. And my prayer is that there will be people that will think through giving above and beyond their normal giving toward this project and will make a three-year commitment to help us raise $1.2 million. Maybe you've never given before and you're moved to do that for the first time. Maybe you've never given consistently and you're moved to do that for the first time. Maybe you've never tithed. You've never given 10% of your income or you've never given 10% of your income before taxes. Maybe you've given a certain percentage and you would say you're faithful, but you would say, I want to raise that percentage. Maybe you would say, I want to give sacrificially. My prayer is that we will all take a step in the way that we give, in the way that we execute our generosity. We'll all take a step in giving and sacrifice together through this process because it's not just about a building, although that's going to be incredible. It's about seeing and experiencing and knowing God in new ways. And that is an incredible reward for you and I. Someone asked me this week, they said, do you, do you really think you can do this? I mean, your church is only eight years old. Your church is only almost 400 people. You're not huge. Do you really think you can do this? And I said, absolutely, I think we can do this. I think God has brought us to this point in history and to this time for a reason. I think God has built the team and the leaders and the 22 house churches, movement groups, and the people who call Movement Church home for a reason because I think that we can do this. And he's going to use this to grow our generosity and to grow our dependence and our faith in him and to show us his character. And honestly, just I'm excited for these next few weeks in this month because I think this is the next chapter of Movement Church. So I want you to know if you aren't able to give a dollar, if you never give a dollar, if you can't participate, I want you to know that we are grateful for the people who make up Movement Church, the people who are invested and call Movement Church their home. And I wanna say thank you for your faithfulness because you're a part of this, whether you realize it or not. We wouldn't be in this situation. We wouldn't have this incredible possibility. We wouldn't have the, the potential of this and we wouldn't be able to establish the legacy that we have or be looking at the legacy that we are with this building if it wasn't for your engagement and your presence and your faithful giving and your involvement. So I just wanna say thank you as your pastor. We're gonna talk about this for the next uh, couple of weeks and there are gonna be 
people that, that have questions or people that say, I want to know more about this. I need some more info. And so hopefully you've gotten an email. Hopefully you've been to our website to sign up for some of the mid-sized gatherings we have. We're doing those on Zoom. We're also doing those uh, some in person for, for people that are wanting that. There are those mid-sized informational gatherings for those who want more information. So I hope that you'll take a chance to sign up for one of those this week and find out more information. But I want you to know that I'm excited about this next phase. I'm excited for us to take this step of faith as a church to sacrifice and to push ourselves for generosity together as we see God move. I'm excited for the future and I truly believe that movement is coming. So let's pray and let's continue to worship today. God, thank you so much for the way that you have have grown Movement Church, established Movement Church, and brought us to this point. Lord, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of your mercy, the gift of your grace and your love in Jesus. And God, we want to respond to your generosity with generosity of our own, with lives and hearts of worship. Lord, we want to be a living sacrifice and a testament to your goodness in Hilliard. And God, we want to continue to show love to our community the way that you show love to us, Lord. This is an incredible opportunity for us. And so I pray that you'll move in our hearts. God, help us to know how we should respond, when we should respond, and what that looks like. Lord, speak to us this week through prayer, through quiet time, through conversations with friends and family and movement groups and house churches. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to know you. Help us to experience you more. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.